0: is that 100% of what's given to the Annie Armstrong offering goes to missionaries on the field. Um, if you, if you listen closely to what he said and how the money was spent, the money that's given through the cooperative program, that's what comes out of our offering that we send uh, to Springfield to the state convention and then goes out to the, the national convention. That's where the, the um, administrative costs for International Mission Board, North American mission boards come out of um, both of their offerings: the Christmas offering for international missions and the Easter offering for North American missions. 100 percent of that goes to work on the field. Um, so that's coming up. It's getting close. We're going to set a new budget, uh, a, a new budget amount for that. Um, I haven't talked to the leadership team, but last year we were around eight or nine hundred, so we'll probably increase it. Um, I think we set a thousand at Christmas for uh, for Lottie Moon, and I think we were around 1,500. So um, we'll talk about that. We'll set a goal for that very soon. So if you're joining us in Spanish. Anybody in, in the room listening in Spanish? Is it working? We got a couple hands. All right, good. All right, well, welcome. Uh, whether you're joining us in English or Spanish, Anna, thank you for translating for us. You can say that about yourself. <laughs> um, all right. Last week, we read a passage in which Paul promised that if we were faithful... Uh, the Lord, uh, faithful to pray and bring our anxieties to the Lord, that the Lord would be faithful uh, to give us uh, hearts and minds protected by peace, a peace that surpasses our ability to understand. This week, we're only going to read one verse. Uh, We're only going to read one verse out of Acts, I'm sorry, out of Philippians 4. And it is a verse where Paul focuses upon our minds Um, And I don't know uh, how robust your inner self-talk life is uh, that goes on in your mind, but Paul lays out some, um, some goals for us, if you will, because it seems like we're in control of our mind, but it often wanders. Anybody? Your mind wanders? Some of you, your mind may be wandering even as we speak. We have to learn to reel it back in. We have to learn to place in it the proper things to think about. Uh, and so today's passage in Philippians, Paul is calling us to discipline our mind. Let's read it together. It's out of Philippians 4. Verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, teach us how to discipline our mind today, not according to the way the world would have us do it, but according to your Scripture and the teaching that Paul lays out for us in Philippians 4, eight. Lord, um, we're listening. Uh, teach us today how to discipline our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> there's no throwaway words in Scripture, Right, we've been talking about this from week to week at Philippians. So before we get to the mind part of this, I want you to focus on that first two words. He says, "Finally, brothers, finally." Um, so that's a word. Some of us probably like to hear that word. It has uh, a couple of uh, meanings. Uh, one is to let someone know they're almost done speaking. Right? So you'll be in a conversation or listening to someone speak and they'll say finally and you know they're almost done. Uh, sometimes people use it to get you to hold on until the end. <laughs> it's like it's almost lunchtime when you hear finally in the message, right? I might even say finally today and everybody would be like, ooh, it's almost over. You use finally as a way of noticing or, or letting, n- letting people know that there's a conclusion coming. It can also be a notification that is something important is about to be said. And I think that's the direction and and the the feeling behind how Paul uses it today. From a biblical perspective, let's consider that Paul is saying, sit up, get on the edge of your seat, Uh, pay attention, Uh, I'm about to drop some knowledge on you, so listen, take note. So what is this knowledge Paul is going to lay out here? Paul's not interested, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Paul's not interested in your need for lunch <laughs> when he wrote this. He wasn't thinking about your lunch. He wants us to direct our minds because the mind is a weird thing. Um, it's this this presence, this thing that goes on in us, and it's hard to kind of describe what the mind is, but you know, it controls what you do and what you think and how you act, and, and it, it's kind of this, this weird thing, and, and I don't know about you, but the mind can get carried away, can't it? It can run off sometimes into weird places and strange thoughts, and you can be at one moment focused upon listening to something, studying, reading, working, and all of a sudden your mind is elsewhere, it's 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 somewhere else and we get carried away by actions and thoughts and ideas like i said last week paul implored us to seek the lord's protection from anxiety by praying and that the lord would guard our hearts with peace In our minds with peace. And this week, he takes it a step further and asks us to focus our mind, but he doesn't just say, focus your mind, uh, discipline your mind, and then move on. He gives you building blocks. He gives you steps. He gives you these, these footholds, if you will. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, some scriptures say, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, um, we're going to talk about each of those, and then we're going to talk about a practical way to begin to do this, because uh, for me, um, I'm I'm pragmatic. I want to not just hear something that's a truth from scripture, but I also need to know, how do I apply this? How do I practically do this and so i'm going to give you something at the end that i've used this week as a tool uh, that i hope will help you but let's unpack these for a moment first he says focus your mind finally brothers think about whatever is true so brothers and sisters today um, when you think about the word true it is what is fact what is reality What's true in this situation? Um, Anxiety and worry tell us lies. Have you realized that? I'm reading a book about anxiety right now. Fascinating book. Um, And while I'm mentioning books, you might check the bookshelves back there. There are refreshes Uh, some new books, some old books, but there's a lot of good books back there. I'm probably going to get this anxiety book and put it back there. It's a very good book um, that I think uh, if you suffer from any kind of anxiety at all, which a lot of us do post-COVID, maybe more so than we did before, uh, it's a very good read. But take a look at those books back there. One of the things I'm discovering is that anxiety and worry lies to you, right? They tell you lies. Things are worse than they really are. Things are, are more extreme than they really are. Um, the book that I, I was reading it last night, um, he uses the story of Chicken Little. Remember the story of Chicken Little? Little chicken walking in the forest, acorn falls on the little chick's head. Which, have you ever walked in the forest and a leaf or an acorn or something fell on you? I mean, that's a reasonable thing to expect in the forest, right? What did Chicken Little think? <laughs> the sky is falling. <laughs> that's totally unreasonable that's anxiety, that's worry. and that's what anxiety and worry is like, right? It tells us lies. Paul's saying, think about instead what is true, what is real, and what is actual. We're going to move through these, and then and, and I'll give you the, the tool at the end. Um, next thing he says is to think about whatever is honorable. Honorable. Who around you is showing fine personal qualities or high moral principles or ideals? Who or, or, or what around you is honorable? How can you implement these characteristics into your own life? So many people around us in the news, uh, in the media, uh, social media, politics are the opposite of that, aren't they? They're dishonorable. So many of our, our, our think, people we look to, right? In, in our culture and we say, oh yeah, he's, he's a good person or he's a good actor, he's a good whatever. Uh, most of them are in one way or another dishonorable. What things of God around us are worthy of honor, worthy of our focus? Then he says, consider and think about what is just or right. What is happening around you that shows God's righteousness? This is going to take some thinking. I'm going to give you like I said again, a tool at the end and I want you to begin to think through these things. So as as we're kind of defining them right now, just begin to think of 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 people, of things, of circumstances that have gone on around you that display these characteristics because considering this one, we live in a time where what is right is called wrong, what is wrong is called right. Uh it's it's it comes through the media it comes through tv social media it's taught to our kids in school right what is just what is right paul is reminding us to ask what right or correct things can you focus your mind on today then he says consider the things that are pure what pure thoughts could we have today probably if there was one that we had to pick uh that some of us would say that's the one i struggle with the most is the purity issue our unchaperoned minds tend to wander into places they shouldn't. Unclean thoughts, unclean places, and, uh, and as we're going to talk about in a moment, our thoughts lead to action and desire. It's easy, it's natural, it's practiced. We're good at, at doing this. Um, practice Thinking clean thoughts, it's going to take, literally going to take that, practice, work. And then he says, whatever's lovely. Think about or consider whatever's lovely. What around you is exquisitely beautiful or lovely? Look around you. As you travel, we, Lydia and I were driving the other day and, and, and I, we were talking about this and I said, okay, what, what's lovely? And we were like, you know, it's like winter in Chicago <laughs> and it was all dirty snow and trees with no leaves. And I'm like, I'm on the interstate to boot, right? And I'm desperately looking for something lovely. And I said, okay, let's skip that one for now. <laughs> we'll, we'll skip the lovely one. What's commendable? We'll, we'll move on. Um, sometimes it can be difficult. And I think that's over overwhelmingly for all eight of these things, I think that's the thing that you're going to struggle with is that for one reason or another, we don't think this way. We think about the negatives. We're sarcastic. Anybody like to be sarcastic? You know, sarcasm's your first language, right? Um, it can be fun to be sarcastic. But it can, it can lead us into a place where everything is negative. Everything is looked through a lens of negativity. And Paul is, if, if anything in these eight things, saying, you need to see things in a new way. And so he gives us these eight lenses to look through. So what around you is exquisitely beautiful or lovely? Look around you and enjoy something of God's creation. See, now our our culture has perverted beauty and taught us that beauty is all about sex and sexuality and sensuality. In many ways, we've fallen for it. But what has the Lord made that's simply lovely? That's exquisitely, I love that, exquisitely beautiful. Um, I was uh, reading AccuWeather's spring forecast, and then I was looking, my, my AccuWeather app has a look ahead. You can see like the next two months of temperatures. And I'm like, ooh, there's 50s coming. You know, and I'm thinking when the 50s come... We're probably going to have little plants coming up out of the ground. It's one of my favorite things, Lydia and I, every year we wait for the first little happy sign of spring breaking out of the ground. Uh, usually the, the snowdrops and the crocuses are some of the first. I don't know if they have snowdrops here. Um, <clears throat> we used to have them in Ohio. And they call them snowdrops because they actually, um, they actually bloom sometimes in the snow. And so you'll have a warm day, the snow will melt, and your yard will be covered with snowdrops or little, little tiny white flowers. But I look forward to that. And for me, um, that was the thing I could think of. But I was like, there's no flowers blooming anywhere yet. I was like, something lovely, something exquisitely beautiful. I think of a small flower blooming, okay? But there's a lot of other things that the Lord created. Look up, look at the sky. Um, see the clouds, see the birds, see the animals. There's something that you can focus on. Then he turns to a, a different direction. He says, consider or think about whatever's commendable whatever is admirable. Who or what uh, around you deserves respect and approval today? Our culture admires and commends many things that are not respectable. Um, I had to look up the opposite of that, commendable, admirable. I was like, what's the opposite of that? And so I looked up the opposites of all these words. Reprehensible is the opposite. We focus on the reprehensible a lot, don't we? oh, that's reprehensible. That's disgusting to me. Uh, I think, again, that's the focus of these eight things. Paul's saying, yeah, I'm sure you're, you're upset about the things that are untrue and dishonorable and wrong and unpure and ugly and reprehensible and inferior. But instead of focusing on those things, focus on the things of God. The things that are lovely, the things that are commendable. What are some ways that we can commend or encourage another person? What can you commend or encourage today in your thinking from a biblical or godly perspective? Instead of camping on everything that's wrong, what's right? Two more things. He says, "What is excellent? Think about what is excellent. What outstanding thing happened today or this week that you can think about?" Um, we had some outstanding things happen this week, but so often, what do we camp on? All the stuff that went wrong. You know, it's like, oh man, it snowed on Thursday night. We had to cancel Oana. Didn't get to worship, do worship team practice. You know, it's like, what are the negative things that happened this week? I didn't. This didn't happen to me this week, but you know, maybe you got a speeding ticket or a a red light ticket or something somewhere, right? And you you think about all the negative things that happened this week. I say that because now we drive around and we're like constantly (laughs) watching for those because they lowered the limit on how quickly they fly, you know, so it's like, we've already gotten one. It was a while back. Anybody else got a ticket lately? Yeah. What? No hands? Wow. You guys aren't driving in Chicago enough. I'm just going to say it. But what outstanding things can you think of? Um, this next one, excellent. What happened? Excellent. Because if we're not careful, again, we think about what's broken and bad. Uh, scripture calls this in one place wars and rumors of war. And we actually have some of that going on right now, don't we? Because we've got Russia and Ukraine. And, and so there's, there's plenty of bad stuff. There's plenty of, of the opposite of excellent is inferior. There's, a, there's plenty of inferior stuff negative stuff to think about. What can you think about today that is, I wrote this, uh, I I like the way this sounded, what can you think of today that is of the most high order? That's what excellent means. It's not just better than most things, it's the best. It's the most high order. What is something you can set your mind on today that is of the most high order, something that is excellent? And then the last thing he says is something that's worthy of praise, which reminds us that in all eight of these things, we turn back to the Father, we turn back to the Son, we turn back to the Spirit, and we praise Him for them. So that asks the question, what can you praise God for today? Instead of being sarcastic, instead of complaining, uh, instead of uh, mastering the sarcastic response of the moment, what can we do or say in this moment to the Father in praise. Again, these eight things are not our go-to. If they are your go-to, amazing. Keep it up. But by and large, these are not our go-to. So what do we do with this? There's actually actually two things. First thing is something Lydia reminds me about all the time. This must be one of her favorite verses, I'm guessing, Um, because uh, she will often say to me, What's good to think about? I'll be down or, or upset about something or, or maybe uh, something will have happened and I'll, I'll be dwelling on it and I'll be thinking about it. I'll be brainstorming and, and she'll just look at me and she said, what's good today? What's lovely? What's right? What's pure? Um, quoting scripture at me, right? <laughs> but that's okay. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to remind each other, encourage one another from Scripture to think differently. Now, there's a principle at work here, and I'm going to give you a sheet in a minute. The principle's written on there, um, and it says this, um, how you think leads to action and desire. How you think, that's with your mind leads to action with your body and desire with your heart. That's why this is important to Paul. That's why it's important to God. That's why the Father says through Paul to us today, monitor how you think, consider how you think. And while you're doing it, think on and and in these eight ways. What you think about can change the direction of your day, can change the direction of your life on what you think about. Encourage one another. When someone's negative, uh, say something positive, but don't do it in a snotty way, (laughs) right? Sometimes people who are being negative, you say something positive, they just go, you know? So be gentle, be careful. If you say something negative, (laughs) catch it. Catch it in your mouth before you say it and hold on to it. There's a lot of wrong thinking out there, and perhaps people are struggling Perhaps they're tired, they're sad. Maybe it's just a habit. I find that in sarcasm, that, that becomes habitual. You know, if you're the master of the sarcastic response and you find yourself saying sarcastic things all the time, um, that might be like a, a little warning flag for you. Oh, I really need this. I really need this. If all I can say is the snarky things and I don't think about the true things, in the honorable things and the right things and the pure things. Maybe I've got an issue. Sometimes we just need to come alongside somebody who's having a difficult day and sit down with them and say, look at this beautiful thing God did today. You ever done that? Somebody's having a difficult time, they're having a hard time. We have folks in our church today that are having a hard time. Um, I got a mystery message from a family in church. I'm not going to name them. This morning they said, hey, we're not going to make it to church. We're having an urgent family issue. So pray for, if you see some families that aren't here, pray for them. We don't know why they're not here. We know one is at home with an urgent issue. We don't know what it is. Um, and then I know Renee wrote, um, yes, he's not feeling well. They're not here today. You don't, you don't see them in their seats. Um, she wasn't feeling well yesterday. She's not feeling today, well today. So she, he, he's home attending to her and caring for her. Um, sometimes people just need somebody to walk with them. You know, so I wrote them this morning. I said, hey, we're praying for you. Is there anything we can do to help you? Um, and we can pray for them now in, in a moment at conclusion of the, uh, of the message. But just sitting down with somebody and say, consider this blessing. Um, check things out from this perspective. Sometimes that can turn a person's day. <laughs> Maybe they're, they're weak. Maybe they're everything. So the second thing is I wrote out a little... Um, I wrote a little cheat sheet. I'm gonna give one for everyone today. They're on the way out, they're on a table. Grab one, I laminated mine so it's nice. I cut the edges off, I made it laminated. And I carried it in my car. I think there's gonna be a picture. I'll show you what I did with mine. I think this is gonna come up on the screen, we'll see. And uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, while, while Jordan finds that, well, I'll keep going. <laughs> I wrote down these eight directions and I, I carry it with me. You can take a picture of it with your phone. You can put it in your car like I did, which you'll see. There it is. We had a, I have a nice little place between my, my phone holder and the dial to change the settings there, and it just sits there. And so when I'm out driving and I'm at a stoplight and it's safe to look down, I'll look over there and remind myself, okay, what are these things? True, honorable, just right, pure, lovely. It's got the questions that we talked about today in there, and then it's got the principle at the bottom and a couple other things. Anyway, um, do with this what you would. Don't take one if you don't want one. Take one and laminate it. Carry it with you. Uh, Take a picture of it with your phone, whatever you want to do. Uh, But I have found this helpful because um, when... I think we're guilty of this sometimes in churches in saying, do this thing, follow this principle, live this way, but without giving a tool. And so no, I don't know if this tool will help you, it helped me, in fact, this tool was the reason why when Lydia and I were on the interstate, I was like, Okay, I need something to think about. I looked down and it said, right in the center, lovely. What around you is exquisitely beautiful or lovely? Um, And that's why we were talking about it, because it was right there in the car. Um, You can put it wherever you want to. You can make copies. Take one for everyone in your family, whatever you like. If we run out, you can have more. But I did this because it's one thing just to say, think about these things. It's another thing altogether I have discovered implementing it. And it's going to take work. And it's going to take practice and my mind may not be good enough to remember all eight of these things although some of you will probably memorize the verse if you memorize the verse you probably don't need the tool barbara just memorize the verse you probably don't need the tool i don't know some of you are good at at verse memorization i made the printout i take it with me because It's not our default response. We talked about this on Wednesday in our small group. It's not our default response to become disciplined to pray. That was last week's message, right? In everything, take these prayers before the Father, uh, your anxieties, your worries, your stresses. He will guard your hearts and minds with the peace that passes all understanding but it's not our disciplined position to pray first. In fact, we talked about it in the group. Uh, often we'll do uh, a number of other things before. It's like, oh, yeah, I should have prayed. Sometimes, in fact, somebody said, I wait, I usually wait till it gets so bad I can't handle it anymore, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I should pray about it. That might be your default position. It's going to take discipline. and it, So if it's going to take discipline to remember to pray, it's going to take discipline to remember to think and to remember the right things to think about. So thinking about these eight things becomes your default response when you practice it, when you actually begin to do it. Because our default response with our minds is wander, daydream, Think about the end of the work day. Think about the weekend. Think about vacation. And if you can't figure out what to think about, you can always tell your phone, yeah, give me something to think about. Worry about the news. Worry about social media. Worry about the weather. Check and see when the flowers are going to bloom. I mean, right? Uh, when the sun's going to set and rise. I don't know if that's interesting to you. Lydia and I like it when the days get longer. You know? So many things take our mind in so many directions and that's why Paul says we have to learn to discipline our thoughts entertain thoughts uh, about the things of God instead of the things we have no business thinking about Paul's reminding us to discipline our minds to think differently so I prepared the printout same as mine one for each of you they're identical there's nothing on on mine that's not on yours Um, carry it with you figure out what to do with it. Um, I took a picture of mine and, and, and posted it up here today. I'll probably put it online. If you use yours, you take a photograph, send it to us. Say, hey, here's what I did with mine. Um, but don't just do it to say, hey, here's me using my photograph, you know, to show you I did something. Actually use it, actually implement it. Um, the kind of transformation that Paul is talking about here in heart and mind is really, really only possible with a relationship in Christ. It's really only possible uh, if the Lord does a work in us, if He changes our heart and He changes our mind and He changes our, our interests and our desires. And so that's why everything we talk about uh, in, in Philippians and, and pretty much anywhere in scripture always comes back to the gospel. It always comes back to the question, who is Jesus Christ to you? Because if Jesus Christ is just another guy out there, um, you're probably not going to lend a whole lot of credence to what he says uh, and how the Lord teaches that we should live. But if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the, the Father is speaking into you and leading you, the Holy Spirit is filling you and empowering you, um, these things are going to be, when, when I read these today and I was like, you need to discipline your mind and we read the scripture, the Holy Spirit in you said, yeah, you need that. <laughs> Anybody, the, the Spirit moved in you and you were like, I think that, that, that's talking to me. So, first step, become a believer in Christ. Follow Christ. Make Him your Savior. Uh, all you have to do is ask. And I know some of you are thinking about it. I know some of you are weighing your options, and that's what Scripture says you should do. You should consider what it means and count the costs of following Christ. And that's a good thing to do. And at some point, you come to faith in Christ and you say, Lord Jesus Christ, I can't do this on my own. I can't live this life on my own. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my failures. Forgive me for not placing you first. I believe Jesus Christ died and went to the grave and rose again and took my sin to the cross and did something that I couldn't do, making me right before you, Father. And today, I accept that gift. Scripture says it's a free gift. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, and He gave it to you as a free gift. You didn't have to buy it. You couldn't afford it. You don't have to earn it. You couldn't do enough to earn it. He just gives it. It's for you if you accept it. If you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Scripture says you will be saved. That's the first step. That's the first step in this kind of transformation, the transformation we talked about last week of, of the heart anxiety and worry. That's the, tra- the, the, the transformation of this week where the Lord changes your mind to think and act differently this is where it starts. So I'm going to pray. Uh, and if you are in a, in a situation that's like, you know what, I need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can pray where you're at. You can come find me after the service and say, hey, Pastor Sean, I want to sit down today or this week and talk about knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior a little further. Um, I'm in conversation with some of you, uh, and that's great, and, and we'll continue that. Um, but if you're ready today, when I pray in a moment, you could ask the Lord. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your message, for your word. We thank you for the transformation uh, that Paul promises is available. Um, But it's not just one of those things that happens automatically. Uh, It's not one of those things that happens because uh, we were good enough or right enough. Uh, Lord, it's not one of those things um, that happens because we went to church. But Lord, you have called us to love you, you have called us to serve you, you have given us a gift in Christ. You have saved those who have sought you and you will save those today who seek you. And on the basis of that relationship and the transformation that you do in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, we can learn to think differently and we can learn to feel differently it's one thing to just say, don't be anxious. And it's another thing to say, just think on these things. But Lord, at some point, we have to take action. Uh, Lord, it's one of, the, one of the things that's difficult, I think, sometimes to understand in your Scripture is that uh, what, what, what role you play in this and what role we play. Uh, Lord, we can't do anything to save ourselves, Lord. That's completely in your role. It's completely in your hands but you have directed us especially as believers to be about certain things thinking in certain ways and even feeling in certain ways and lord you've given us tools through paul the prayer that we can pray in asking you to take the anxiety and the worries and the stresses of this world, Lord, and placing those at your feet, not trying to control them ourselves. And, and you have promised that you will take care of those things. And you will place in us a peace that surpasses our understanding. It's, it's, it's of, a, of the most high order, a peace that we can't manufacture on our own. And it's the same with our mind You have told us to think in certain ways. And we have to take action on that. Because if we don't discipline our mind, it just wanders. Lord, forgive us for our wandering mind today. Forgive us for not disciplining it yet. Lord, give us the power and the strength through you, not in our own selves but the power to be able to, to be honest with ourselves that we haven't been thinking right and we haven't been feeling right. And that today we can, even, even as soon as leaving here, we can take this little sheet, and it's not a magic sheet, but uh, it, it talks about the eight things. And we can begin throughout the day to ask ourselves the questions, what is true? What is honorable? What is just and right? What is pure? What is lovely? What's commendable? What is admirable? What is excellent? And then all of these things, what of them are worthy of praising you for, Lord? Change us this week as we begin to implement these. I know some of us uh, will, will leave today and take this and, and lose it <laughs> before they get home, maybe. Um, some of us are going to take this seriously. We're going to stick it in our car. Um, I have a second copy now, so I can stick one at home on the mirror. Um, but Lord, as we. Go through our days, maybe put one at the work desk even, the place where we're at the most. And remind us, Lord, to begin to think about things uh, the way you want us to. Lord, we love you, and we know that you're going to be faithful to do the things that you have promised you would do. And when we learn to think differently, um, it's going to be amazing to see what you do in and through us. Uh, Lord, do it for yourself. Uh, Lord, not that we would selfishly pray um, for these things for, for ourselves, but change us for you. Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I didn't clear this with the worship team, but I thought we'd close on a song. Does that sound good?